0: Julius Randle helps the Knicks top the Raptors, but New York's going to be without Mitchell Robinson for a while. What does that mean for them? Plus, is Pascal Siakam finally going to get traded? Zion Williamson gets his revenge or looks better, tries to erase the clown shoes performance from last week with a win over the Wolves. Plus, are the Bulls better without Zach Levine? All this and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us, making us your first listen. I appreciate you guys being with us here on a Tuesday. We appreciate you being in every day or joining us daily throughout the week. You can catch all sorts of folks here on the Locked On NBA podcast. John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays. On Thursdays, you've got Nick Angstadt and Pat the Designer. And on Fridays, you got Adam Mares and Wes Goldberg. Wes is a co-host on Locked On Heat along with my guy, David Ramel he's with me tonight from Locked on Heat. I'm Matt Moore from Locked on Nuggets. Big show for you today. We'll talk about the Knicks topping the Raptors. Mitchell Robinson being out eight to ten weeks. What does that mean for the Knicks? We'll talk about Pascal Siakam and the latest reports on his trade availability. Zion got his revenge. We'll get to that later. We have so much stuff to break down from a busy night in the association. We're glad that you guys are with us and with us on all platforms. You can catch us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and all over the place. Today's show is brought to you. By prize picks. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, David. We have so many games on the slate, given that the NBA chose not to play games yesterday. So we had this big smorgasbord of games. Great slate tonight. I really enjoyed it. I was popping back and forth. I got a new monitor just so I could, like, watch four games at once. It was so great Uh tonight. But let's start with the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors in an Atlantic Division battle as the Knicks get the win uh 136, 130 in a surprisingly offensive contest. One of the things I love about the Knicks is I never know if I'm going to get like a defensive slug fest or an offensive showcase. And tonight it was definitely on the offensive side. Julius Randall continues his absolutely incredible run as of late. He goes for 34 points, 14 of 21 from the field, eight boards, and five assists to help lead the way for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson chips in with 21 points and nine assists. And R.J. Barrett, who's having quite the season when I had pretty much written him off, 27 points on 11 of 21 shooting, three of eight from three, really good minutes from Barrett. For the Raptors, uh, the usual cast of characters, you got OG Anobi with 29 tonight on 11 of 20 shooting. Good night for him. Dennis Schroeder kind of bounced back from a really weak game last week and was much better tonight with a 20 points and 10 assist game for the Raptors. Scotty Barnes, 7 of 13, just 20 points, but 26 and 5, pretty normal. What did you kind of see from the Raptors and Knicks in this one?
1: It, it was, I think it was just the story of the game is Randall, like him t- yeah. kind of taking over late and pretty consistently throughout the game. He was just really impressive tonight. I know with Randall, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. He's been pretty inefficient at times, even this season, but over the last couple of games, obviously taking it up a notch and and been very, very... Just dominant in terms of attacking the basket. Not looking for that, not settling, I should say, for the three-point shot as much. He only took three attempts tonight, but just powering his way to the hoops. And, and look, he, he was getting a, a not a friendly bounce maybe, but uh, certainly a, a generous one for most of the game. But he just looks really, really strong tonight. So that was my overall takeaway. Uh, I was a little concerned about how the Knicks would play this one without Mitchell Robinson I think that was a big part of why it wasn't much of a defensive matchup there between the two teams without Robinson who has played pretty well defensively all season but uh, you know they got some nice minutes from Jericho Sims as a starter and then Isaiah Hartenstein coming off the bench for his 11 points so providing that kind of consistent spark that he has for the Knicks bench overall pretty strong showing for the Knicks the Raptors just look like a team that I don't know. They can't seem to quite figure out what to do with themselves this season. I don't know if it's the impending trade talk that I know we'll talk about a little in this segment, or if it's just uh, incorporating a new coach. Uh, you know, incorporating new players like Schroeder and others, and just not really. I don't know. They don't seem to have a very clear identity of who they are as a team this season.
0: Weird box score on this one. So the the Knicks had three more threes but they also made seven fewer free throws. They got out offensive rebounded, which is we're going to talk about in a second with Mitchell Robinson. They're going to really miss that. And the Raptors had more fast break points, but the Knicks were able to put up 61% shooting in this one. <laughs> they did shoot really efficiently from three at 59% from three Raptors. Defense just wasn't there. And I, I think it's, you're starting to see if the Raptors are not going to be consistent, they're going to have no chance. Like they don't have the talent to be right. To to be inconsistent and win, which is gonna lead us to some questions about Siakam. Um, Mr. Robinson, the news did come out today that he's out eight to ten weeks following ankle surgery. I kind of mentioned it there, but they're gonna really gonna miss him in terms of he was playing at a defensive player of the year level in terms of rebounds and blocking shots, the kind of things that get you on that list. He has been absolutely phenomenal for them. And a big part of their offensive formula has been offensive rebounding. So I'm gonna be curious to see. But I will say, like, look, this is a great offensive performance versus a pretty tough Raptors team that at least makes things uncomfortable for you. And the, and the Knicks did pretty well there. So a good start for them without Randall. As for C. Ockham, uh, reports surfaced today again from The Athletic and Sham Strani, who reported on a number of, of different conversations. Um, <laughs> there's always going to be skepticism about whether or not Masai Ujiri is actually going to trade folks. Um, one executive described it as a game of chicken with the Raptors because they're always so hard to deal with. Yeah. One thing that Toronto reported that I've heard is that OG Ananobi is unlikely to be traded. Pascal Siakam, however, is. He mentions the Hawks as a potential suitor, along with the Sacramento Kings and Indiana Pacers. I love the fit on all three of those teams for Siakam. I really, to be quite honest with you, I want to see Siakam on a different team just to get a different look. I think he's really good. Yeah. Um, we'll see if Messiah ever pulls the plug, but I do think it's notable that there seems to be a shift where OG Ananobi is going to be part of a rebuilding core alongside Scotty Barnes, and they'll use whatever they get in the Siakam trade. But I do at this point, with the caveat that's the Raptors, and you never really can tell, I expect Siakam to be gone by the deadline.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to lean that way too. It just doesn't seem like it's working, and I don't think they have any intention of paying him what he thinks he's worth. Have you heard anything in terms of the speculation regarding what his next contract may or may not look like? I mean,
0: look, this is a guy that was all NBA a couple seasons ago, um, yeah. and we see the kind of contracts that are handed out. Anybody that trades for him is going to have to be ready to go ahead and hand out a ton of money, if not a max. Like, it's going to be several hundred or over a hundred million for sure. And then from there, it's a question of like, does it get into the 35, 45, that kind of range or not going yeah. forward? I don't know that there's like a definite number there, but I would be pretty surprised if he is not paid like a max superstar in the next place that he goes, which honestly, that's one of the things that there are a lot of questions about um right. in terms of both Indiana Sacramento and Atlanta is whether ownership is willing to fit the bill for adding another max superstar.
1: Yeah. That's what my question was going to be. Like, I don't know of those teams that you listed, which one of them is willing to pay Yakum the kind of money that again, he thinks he's going to get. So that makes any trade with Toronto is already complicated enough. That factor in there as well kind of be is a problem. I suppose that's a Siaka problem, right? No team that kind of trades for him. I guess they're going to give up something in exchange for him. So you might wind up acquiring a player for a short-term rental rather than a long-term acquisition if you can't afford or choose not to re-sign him at whatever price he might uh, command over the summer. So uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, so Toronto just, again, seems like they're not gearing for the playoffs. I mean, it, the Eastern Conference, they still have a shot, but – with uh, with Siakam kind of looming over everything, they just it feels like they just need to move on from him once and for all.
0: On the other side, Zion Williamson had a miserable experience mm-hmm. in the end season tournament in Las Vegas. Well, at least on court. But he bounced back in a big way on Monday night. We'll talk about the Pels' big win over the Wolves. Plus, the Orlando Magic get revenge on the Cavaliers as they keep their surprising Eastern Conference run going. We'll talk about all that and more on the other side on Locked on NBA. Right now, I want to tell you about game time. I was in Vegas, and I will tell you, I, I didn't because I was working and I got caught up with a column. I almost caught you two at the Sphere. And the mm-hmm. reason I was going to be able to catch you two at the sphere, because I wasn't going to be able to shell out the way that those tickets were on other sites is I kept checking game time and seeing those prices tick lower and lower as we got closer to the night of that, of the event. Um, a, t- a tip there with game time, you can buy tickets to events after they start. So if you're willing to miss the first quarter, or if you're willing to miss maybe the first song on the set list, you can grab tickets at absolutely crazy prices I, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to go, I'll go catch him next time. I was just curious though, after doors opened before YouTube goes on, there were tickets at 82 bucks a pop for tickets that had hmm. been $400 the night before. So, and that's before YouTube even hits the stage. And so you can do all that with game time. It's a phenomenal app. Um, I use it for all my ticketing. I'm buying Christmas presents for my wife. She's a huge Avalanche fan. I'm getting her tickets for the Avs on GameTime because that's the best, honestly, the best app to use. They've got flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off your first purchase. That's download the GameTime app. With code LOCKED ON MBA for $20 off your first purchase on game time. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Back here on Locked on NBA. I'm Matt Moore alongside David Ramil. David, let's go ahead and let's head on over to the Western Conference and let's head down to the Bayou where I got done. So all of the content that I did off of the in-season tournament, I wrote it. I wrote a column and I did video spots for action. I did all these different things that I've, I've done. And all of it was like one of my big takeaways was like I'm out on the Pelicans. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm sharpieing them out. I cannot take them seriously after that clown shoes performance versus the Lakers because they really were like that team just looked like they had no leadership, no zip, no life. It was pathetic the way they played in the end season tournament, like a team that was just happy to go ahead and take the $100,000 and a free trip to, to, to Las Vegas to be able to enjoy that 100 grand. And so what of course do the Pelicans do? They turn around and they get the win on Monday night versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Western Conference's best team record-wise. Now, the Wolves without Anthony Edwards, that's always a relevant point. But they held Carl Anthony Towns to 17 points on 5 of 11 shooting. And Zion Williamson, after all the criticism and all the conversation about his weight and his conditioning and all this, 36 points on 13 of 17 shooting. He missed four shots, 10 of 12 from the line, five boards, two assists, a steal, and a block, a plus 26 Uh, CJ McCollum added in 23 Brandon Ingram added in 20 on five of 13 quiet night for him. The bench did its thing defensively and the Pelicans got a big win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm not surprised because this is how it goes, but I will say I'm not going to get fooled by this. I'm not going to get suckered in against David. Like they showed us who they are with that performance on Thursday. This win versus a shorthanded Wolves team at home does not get me off of my skepticism and criticism towards what the Pelicans should be based off of their leadership from their stars.
1: What are they missing? Like there, there seems to be an element missing, right? That's what leads to the inconsistency. And it's not just the fit between Ingram and Williamson, because each of them are capable of performances like what we saw from Zion tonight, and maybe not quite as dominant on the Ingram side of it, but he's still a really good player. And they just don't seem, they seem to have on paper a really well-rounded cast, great roster, lots of nice depth there really good pieces, but they're missing something. And I just don't know what that is. Do you have an idea? I think it's on-court
0: leadership and floor generalship. Um, you know, I don't know that he would want to do this, but if Chris Paul wanted to end his career where it started, oh, I man. honestly think that'd be a really good fit for his last year. Um,
1: wow. To have That's someone
0: a, that, that would demand. Story. Like, I honestly think that they need someone that's going to, do. and I'll say this. There was a, there was a column that came out of new Orleans from Christian Clark. He does a great job covering the team. He was also the one that wrote about the, the conditioning problems, but he did like a follow-up about them trying to turn the page. And Jose Alvarado had a quote in it. That was basically like, I understand it sounds crazy after how we played on Thursday, but we really do believe in this thing. Like we believe we have something here. And I think that I actually think that that's true. I, for me, when I watched them, David, like I recognize There is something in there of a special team. We saw it last year before the injuries took them out in December and we've seen them at times. It's one of the reasons I really like them to win the in season tournament was because there's that potential. They have so much athleticism and they can be nasty defensively when they want to be, but you have to have that leadership at the top. It's not, you cannot be led by CJ McCollum and GTA. Like Herb Jones is too young. Trey Murphy's too young. These guys are too young. You have to have leadership. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson are not going to get that done. You need a veteran star that's going to come in and set the tone for this team. If they had that, I would feel a lot better about their chances.
1: Well, I think it's part, I mean, covering Miami, they were one of the top suitors for uh, Kyle Lowry a few years ago. And I think that's kind of the diminished role that he plays in Miami, notwithstanding, like he would have been that kind of setting presence. He still has it, even on this Heat team is, you know, that he provides exactly what you're talking about. The the generalship, the kind of leadership in general, that where he just kind of sets the tone for everybody and, and, and settles things down. Uh, you know, limited athleticism, but you've got plenty of athletes on New Orleans roster already. So you don't really need that from your point guard position. So it's a it's an interesting take there. I hadn't really considered that. But I mean, let's let's talk about Zion. Let's talk about the performance tonight, because, I mean, I know Gobert was in foul trouble, but no matter who was on Williamson, it didn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns fouling out, Nas Reed, Gobert, whoever they put on him, he just had that quick first step and, and was able to finish off with some really tough shots around the basket. Really nice touch there, but it was just an incredible performance for him. And to get to the line, again, that just kind of shows the dominant physicality of a player like Zion. And it's what makes – I think so. it's so frustrating for Pelicans yeah. fans is that they don't see it as consistency, as consistently, which leads to all that ridiculous talk about his weight and the conditioning, which I think are real concerns. And I just hope that we're not talking about Zion 10 years down the road as a player who could have been – an all time great, if not for that factor. So you know, we're, we're both influenced by the
0: teams that we cover. Right. And like, I'm in the locker sure. room nightly with Denver. And what I'll say is I'll say is I think Joker early on in his career kind of thought like, well, I'm doing great anyway. Why do I need to put the, the extra work in? And someone really got it. There was a trainer, uh, Felipe who works with the nuggets. And he really got up in, in Jokic's face and was like, you can be great. You can be MVP, but you got to put the work in. Like you could be the most valuable player. And we can win a championship, but you gotta, like, you gotta have the conditioning. And a lot of it is, it's not like we focus on, like, man, because everyone talks about, like, man, Zion looks huge. He just looks like heavy, you know? I don't even care about that. For me, it's like you can be as big as you want. If you've got the endurance to go up and down the court, I don't care how big you are. It's gonna increase your odds of injury because you're packing more weight and that's gonna hurt in terms of the impact stuff and trying to, you know, muscle containment. But overall, like, I don't care about that. I'm not judging him. I like the fact that he's so big. He just beasts past guys. But you, we talk about the inconsistency. That's what that will help with. If you're in great condition as an NBA player, it's going to help you be consistent night after night after night. Um, before we go to the other side, I do want to talk about, probably my favorite game I watched tonight, which was Cavs magic. Great game. Um, Absolutely. Like this is an, it looks like an ugly game at one Oh four 94. The Cavs shot 35% from the field. I love watching the magic play defense. They are so good. Uh, Jalen Suggs. If you got, if you haven't yet take, if you got league pass, catch a magic game and just watch Jalen Suggs play defense. Like Suggs is a plus 10 tonight, 12 points shot efficiently, but he made some absolutely just audacious plays defending Donovan Mitchell and was a big reason why Mitchell wasn't a more of a force tonight. He had 22 points, but on 18 shots. But who, but because Suggs was guarding Mitchell, Darius Garland got off. And Garland was phenomenal tonight 36 points, six boards, five assists, two steals, 11 to 23 shooting. They just couldn't get past the Magic's defense and they couldn't get past Paolo Caro and Franz Wagner, no real point guard on the floor for them. And it was interesting late in the game. The Cavs actually tried a full court press and it kind of worked. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that in, in, uh, as the games go on until Markel Fultz gets back. Cause they did yeah. close with, with black on the floor and with Wagner and mine like they're not pure points. So they were getting trapped, but bank made so many great, like he was nine of 21 from the field. Like that's not great, but 20 points, 10 boards, four assists. Banquero is getting so much better at finding his spots, at being able to get to his spots. And Wagner is so good at improvising on the move to either create opportunities, finish off the glass or set up teammates. I just love watching this magic team play. Uh, it was a really good win for them. They lost the Cavs the other night. This is a good spot where you want to get that win after you just lost to them. Uh, really fun game and really impressive. Jared Allen fouled out in short minutes tonight in this one. Um, just 15 minutes for Jared Allen as he fouled out in this one. Crazy circumstances there,
1: but a really good win for the Magic, I thought. Are you a believer in Magic? I mean, no Wendell Carter, no Markel Fultz, as you mentioned, uh, but they still got so much youth, and, and they just do seem like they're a really fun team. They play yeah. defense at a high level, got some nice scoring there, a well-rounded roster. It's young, it's fun, it's fast. I don't know. I... I I'm not sure what to expect of this group uh, in a playoff seeding, but at the same time, I, I just I, I can't help but root for them because they do play a fun style of, of basketball. I don't think they're a 50
0: win team, but I don't think they're a 500 team either. I think they're somewhere between 43 and 47 wins, and you know what that is? That's a really good team. That's just a really good team with a lot to build on going forward. On the other side, we'll talk about the Chicago Bulls hanging with the Milwaukee Bucks before. Finally, succumbing in overtime, we will cover the Miami Heat getting past the Charlotte Hornets, and we'll wrap up with all things left on the docket here on a busy night in the association on Locked On NBA. Final segment here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. But also, it's time to talk about FanDuel. Uh, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team. Wins. I was on the Packers on Monday night. Wah, wah. Tough night for me, but I did put in a bet on FanDuel on the Orlando Magic minus two. Got that one home. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's so easy to use. There's a wide range of options, including spreads, player props, over unders, and more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. <laughs> Now we're back on Locked on NBA in the final segment. Matt Moore and David Ramil. Uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a messy transition there, David. I did not cleanly. No, I didn't skate that edge perfectly. Um, well, let's talk about, you know, who else didn't skate the edge perfectly? The Milwaukee Bucks. Oh. Uh, the Bucks go to You're overtime over. versus the Chicago yeah. Bulls without Zach Levine. 133-129 in overtime. Uh, here's like, this is the, the fascinating thing to, for me right now with Milwaukee, Okay. Big picture. Bulls get the win in overtime. What a great performance. Giannis with 32 points on 9 of 13 shooting. 12 and 6 for Giannis. How incredible. Two steals. Damian Lillard had struggles with only 14 points on 3 of 17 shooting. And the, Bull- the Bucs still got the win. Why are the Bucks going to overtime and allowing 129 points to the Chicago Bulls without Zach Levine? DeMar DeRozan with 41 tonight, 14 of 30 shooting. He took 30 shots tonight, David. Uh, 11 dimes for DeRozan. adds 14. Patrick Williams with 15. And Kobe White, what a story, man. Filling in for Zach Levine. Kobe White, 12 of 20 from the field. Well, not filling in. He's always been starting. But 12 of 20 from the field. Six of 10 from three. Six boards. Four assists and a steal. Uh, Kobe White's had an absolutely terrific season is the story on this one more for you that the bulls continue to hang and look good without Levine or that the bucks in games where we expect them to dominate
1: don't even if they still get the win. I think it's still the the bulls to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not discounting what they do. I, I, you could poke at what the, the bucks are doing and going through their early season struggles and I mean, I think that's been talked about quite a bit at this point, but they still got the win, and they still managed to weather the storm despite Dame's inefficient shooting night, and they're still 16-7. and That's still a really good record, and they're going to continue to be fine because Giannis is still an MVP-level player, and Dame has big moments here and there. Tonight's shooting notwithstanding, I think that's still a really dangerous club. Yes, they might have some injury issues, and they might have some roster issues, but I think overall it's still a really good team and still a concern in the Eastern Conference. So that's not the story. To me, it's the fact that the Bulls won four straight prior to tonight's loss, including one game against the Milwaukee Bucks. They beat the the Pelicans. They beat, uh, you know, they've had some good wins here and there. So I, I think overall the Bucks, I mean, they're fine. I'm not concerned about them. Again, I think they're a team that's built for a postseason run and I'm sure that'll be, it'll work itself out as the Eastern conference has over the last couple of years. We'll see what other teams in the East, including Miami, Philadelphia, etc., and Boston can do. So I, the bulls though, you know, the reporting around them is that they're going to be blown up any second. Now Then Levine gets hurt and somehow magically the bulls find a way to win. And, and you know, they look much better than they did with Levine out there. So I, I think, that's a team that still views himself as a possible play-in type team. I don't know how realistic that is, especially you know if, if any kind of major trade shakes out over the next couple of weeks uh, or months maybe. I, it just – I don't know. This Bulls team continues to be a surprise because I didn't think they were going to be that bad, and then all of a sudden they lose Levine, win four straight, and they can turn their season around. I'm not sure that I, I buy that they're going to be a good team at any point, but maybe somehow in the fringes of a playoff seed – Especially if they can get something in return for the eventual Zach Levine trade that seems like it's a pet, you know, it, that's gonna happen at any moment now. At least it seems that way. Although I just don't know what team is willing to take on Zach Levine. I I'm not a believer in Levine. I know one of the questions you asked me before we started recording, are the Bulls better off without Levine? I mean, I think the answer is pretty clearly yes. And and I maybe I'm just being negative on on Levine, the type of player, but when Miami was linked to him, you know, we did a number of shows on on that topic and you know I kept looking to the numbers in Levine and he just I don't know that he's a winning player and I know it's unfortunate because it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing where he's always been a part of bad teams who have been going through real re- rebuilding issues and things of that sort but despite his all-star numbers I just don't know if he can ever be efficient enough nor can he be an overall player like defensively and anything else as a playmaker and his shot selection still to me remains kind of suspect at this point in his career I mean we all kind of. I think the general consensus is that he's uh, still an athletic player who can get to the rim and done, but he's more of a finesse player at this point. Who really just likes to shoot the ball and he's not very effective at it. I don't think that he's the type of all-star that you can build around. And I don't know what team he fits in seamlessly. So they have questions and I think they're going to be resolved mostly by trading him at some point. Uh,
0: What team does he fit on? Uh, The team that employs the two leading figures of the agency that represents him clutch sports uh here's my levine take my levine take is this uh zach was on pace for to be like an all-nba guard he looked phenomenal he had made a he made a real leap both in three-point volume efficiency shot selection and playmaking like he looked like he was an engine and then he had demar derozan now Mm. demar's been demar's been great it's not about demar this is a thing that is like an this is one of those indeterminable things about basketball this is not like I can, like, I don't watch games and go, like, the Bulls suck because of DeMar DeRozan. No, like, DeMar plays great. The problem, though, I do think, is that when DeMar came, I do think he stunted Levine's growth. And I think Levine kind of knows that. And I think that they're, look, the situation is uncomfortable. And, like, there's been some reports that, like, Levine's basically checked out. And I don't blame him. Like, there was reports that he was upset about being benched last year versus the Magic. That's loser behavior, man. Like get over it. Like you want, you don't want to get benched. You got to play better. You got to be so good that the coach can't take you off. You have to be so good defensively, not, not elite, but good enough defensively that he's not like, we're better off without you. You can't ever get there. Right. However, I do think that when Levine goes to a situation where he's got enough support, like, Oh, I don't know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, he's probably Mm going to look really good. And he's going to look better than the players that are there. Like, Oh, I don't know. D'Angelo Russell, who's chirping at Bruce Brown about Mm -hmm. an in-season tournament game. Um, I think that there's still a lot of good basketball left for Zach Levine. Um, he's a guy that I believe in. And I do think that it's, we have two incidences of both Marcus Aldridge and Zach Levine of guys. And honestly, Kyle Lowry to a certain degree of guys yeah. that played with DeRozan and for whatever reason, it was harder for them that they didn't look as good as they did when DeRozan wasn't on the floor. And to me, that's like a very interesting kind of thing to kind of manage. Even if I agree with you that like the way the Levine has carried himself the last couple of years, I do think is contrary to winning basketball
1: in a lot of ways um, on the Bucks side, you, go ahead. Well, if you're on the Bulls though, the, do you entertain offers for DeRozan or Levine or both?
0: Well, let's get to what Sean Serrano reported. So he reported that the teams continue to ask about uh, Levine listing both the Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, but said that both are operating from positions of patience and due diligence. What that honestly probably means is like, why make a trade now? when the Bulls will probably only get more desperate as the situation continues. Um, DeRozan, the athletic Sam Amick recently reported DeRozan's preferred trade destinations, if he gets dealt, he's expiring, are the Knicks and the Heat. That seems pretty likely to me. Like, not the Heat, but like, I think DeRozan gets moved just because he's an unrestricted free agent. I think if they trade Levine, DeRozan's going to be like, hey guys, I'm not going to be back. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to sit through this year. Go ahead and move me. And if you're the Bulls, you got Kobe White, Patrick Williams is playing well. Um, Most relevant, I think, to listeners, though. Because this is the guy that gets mentioned, uh, and I, I, I need to, to make this clear because I've heard this too, and it's also the logical thing. Chironi reports this. A bevy of teams have expressed interest in trading for Bulls utility star Alex Caruso, league sources say, but the franchise has shut down those calls. For the love of God, please stop putting together Twitter trade proposals where the Bulls just throw in Alex Caruso like he's some like he's free napkins and chopsticks with your carryout order like please stop acting like it's buy one it's buy levine get caruso free like stop that um alex caruso is they recognize the value and if they move him it's going to take a lot to get there now they may wind up moving him before the deadline but he's not going to be a throw into a levine deal and people need to stop talking about it like that
1: So answer the question, then. Do you trade DeRozan or Levine? I mean, I know that they both,
0: man. Look, this team's going nowhere. I don't think you can win with that combination. I think that if you traded DeRozan, maybe things turn around. But I think it's too far gone. The the situation is Uh, too uh, burned out. And honestly, that's on Levine partially, too. I don't want to bring Levine back if he's going to have this kind of attitude. Like, no. Like, we want you guys that want to be here and want to be leaders. You know? D'Angelo Russell and and I guess Rui Hachimura, come on down. Go ahead and get that deal done with whatever lingering assets the Lakers have left in draft pick compensation. Get that deal done. DeRozan, I think they'll be able to pull probably more out of. I do kind of wonder, Philly with DeRozan is the one that I keep looking at. That's the one that I think that I'm really interested in is like, uh, okay, you got Maxi who balances out the three-point volume and you've got Embiid. DeRozan and Embiid can run, pick, and roll, and Embiid would respect DeRozan. That to me seems like a pretty okay move. I just don't know if Daryl Morey goes for a mid range assassin like Demar.
1: Yeah, and you just mentioned the fact that Levine's own development kind of stunted after they acquired. You want to do that to Maxi as well? Like, I mean, I I know again he's a free agent, and maybe you're not, and you know you're not necessarily going to re-sign him or anything like that. But I don't know why you'd acquire him, especially when your young, you know, all star type point guard is having such a great season. That's a yeah. tough thing to consider. Definitely.
0: Uh, let's go wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Want to let you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports twenty four seven streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you twenty four seven, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports twenty four seven streaming channel. You can catch David mail over at Locked On Heat. I'm at Locked On Nuggets tomorrow. You can catch John Corrales. And Jake Madison here on Locked On NBA. Appreciate you guys being with us. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA.